exploring the mysteries of life and the cosmos with an overwhelming desire to uncover buried truth, discovering whether or not human beings purposefully manipulated the world or something more spiritual has happened or is happening. Researching a wide range of topics such as conspiracies, religion, spirituality, science, health, and history, Apple of Perception delves into the beyond, where nothing is off-limits. This is Apple of Perception Podcast. If the world is an enigma, then everyone is either telling their own truths and or we're all pathological liars. Because everything is consciousness, choice dictates reality, and the truth is within. This is Apple of Perception Podcast. I am your host, Joseph Edward Vinay. In future episodes, I wanted to give everyone a heads up of what the, the uh, topics that we'll be going over. Um, I will be going over things, you know, from cryptozoology, things like Bigfoot, Boscop Man, stuff like that. We'll go into it. It relates to this concept. We'll also even get into alternate histories, you know, the histories of ancient Babylon. We're going to go into uh, Khazaria, uh, countries that people forgot, like Grand Tartary. Uh, We're going to get into a lineage that goes from Peter the Great up until a uh, the breakaway civilizations, you know, secret space programs, uh, you know, government cover-ups, things like that, all in a positive light, all, all trying to see the good sides of things. And you know, the the universe is a, a big and a wonderful place, and it contains so much more than we know. Our world is more than just one timeline. It is as as many things as there are people here, and there's so much to discover. On that note, today, we're going to be getting into a little tidbit I wrote on the Law of Attraction and how it, expl- how it relates to the Apple of Perception concept. The Apple of Perception attempts to explain the spiritual foundation of the physical world, and its discoveries offer much truth to the process of the Law of Attraction. When the book and the subsequent movie, The Secret, came out, people everywhere were buzzing about its revelation. The Law of Attraction, revealed as the key to the prolific success of some of history's greatest minds like Michelangelo and Thomas Jefferson, the Law of Attraction is a powerful insight into the workings of nature that can be consciously and intentionally used is a tool for manifestation, a tool whose ideas underlie the manifestation process. However, however we uh, utilize the guidelines surrounding the law of attraction, results can be obtained via invocation and evocation. Invocation being the safer white magic and evocation the black magic requiring a sacrifice. The sacrifice evocation requires is one of placing power outside the center, outside the divine that resides within. It is equivocal to worshiping false gods, archons, demons outside the self, even angels, recognizing that someone else has a greater power than you. There are better ways to utilize the guidelines that the law of attraction lays out 
It is only through lack of wisdom, knowledge, and a, and a dwelling in the dark that we are caused to error, which brings about lack and suffering. We can obtain our desires and pay a price for obtaining them if we use an evocation method, but the price is not necessary if you have the wisdom of divine perspective. The law of attraction works whether or not we dwell within the light. Neville Goddard, a big guy in the law of attraction genre, probably started a lot of it. He taught causative imagining. The premise is that we can create our futures by imagining what we want with feeling, gratitude, and the absolute belief that what we wanted presently exists. We need to give our imagined post-end all the tones of reality in our imagined experience. It needs to be real, a present reality, experience of what we desire already existing. This is what the Bible said in the ancient Aramaic version in John 16 verses 23 through 24. Big part of the law of attraction proof. It has been expurgated, and this method was removed in you know English and Latin edits. The passage originally said, you know, translated to English again. All things that you ask straightly and directly from inside my name, you shall be given. So far, you have not done this. Ask without hidden motive, and be surrounded by your answer. Be enveloped by what you desire, that your gladness be full. Now, one can discern this passage and interpret it in a more you know, modern terminology. So I'm going to give variations of what these words might mean. And I'll read the passage again with those variations. That is all things that you ask straightly and directly from inside my name, you shall be given. You know, inside the name of God could mean the name, his face, his nature of God, his imagination of God. It's asking straightly into the center as if the center is the key to creation of the universe. So you're asking straightly to that divine. So that's, that could be interpreted in many ways. I'll go on. So far you have not done this asking with our voice is not doing this. We need to, to ask by imagining the condition that we want. That that's, goes into that causative imagining, you know, as if it's already there. Going on. Asking without hidden motive. An example, do not be judgmental, but forgive the present with grace. Accept it. And be surrounded by your answer. That is to be in fervent, vivid, three-dimensional imagining of your answer. The thing that you want or expect, you just have to tune to that frequency and act as it's already there and envision it in your mind. The end state is already established, meaning be enveloped by what you desire. That's what they say. That your gladness be full. That it already belongs to you. Or rather, this could be easily explained by Neville Goddard. The great secret of prayer is thinking from rather than thinking of. 
that's his quote. Now, this form of utilizing the law of attraction that Neville Goddard proposes is technically an invocation. This is the practice most who practice the ritual and spell work of the law of attraction utilize. However, this is to do without spiritual discipline, and acceptance of all things will often result in detrimental possibilities being drawn to you as well as your desires. This is the universe presenting lessons to you in order to widen your perspective. It is our duty to grow spiritually by widening our perspective and once obtaining acceptance of all things to not fall from that divine state to continue pray without end. Another quote from the Bible, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17. It commands, pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now how can we pray without ceasing? Does it mean we should be utterly uttering a prayer all the time mentally or orally? No, it does not mean that. It most assuredly does not mean this. For that would be an absurd, vain repetition. But prayer without ceasing does mean turning our heart toward God consistently in our daily lives. We pray successfully when we do not ask amiss by asking for something to spend upon our selfish pleasures. That is upon our ego needs, our ego's hunger for approval from the world. Ego needs are thus always centered upon objects such as persons, accomplishments, situations, things, money, etc. We can center upon objects because we are looking for approval. All object or ego-centeredness is based upon fear. Coming from the belief that we are inferior, we require elevation to better our self-image. Like the preacher who wants the successful church so he can have more approval, you may want a new situation to increase your approval rating. Another quote from the Bible, James 4, 3, speaks to the ego-centered prayer. He says, it is asking amiss or missing the mark. He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it upon your pleasures. Observing either side of a dualistic paradigm helps to bring into perspective the relevance of the other half. Life's purpose is to put things into perspective via duality. In the grandest perspective, we are all fractals of a divine whole. Without observations of opposites, the consciousness cannot fathom any value or importance of anything. Only by observation of an innocent and vulnerable baby can we truly come to respect and revere the divine power of the cosmos. Our chosen outlook is our perspective and it is our prayer. Proper prayer and proper invocation of the Law of Attraction method is to be filled with and project compassion.
Compassion is the language of God and the universe. Feeling and projecting compassion is the way to pray successfully without ceasing at all times. In the Old Testament, it is said, be holy for God is holy. But the New Testament, Jesus teaches, be compassionate for God is compassionate. Consistently throughout history, spiritual teachings must be reworded to fit the language of our times. Compassion is the key to praying successfully because our thoughts and emotions have the power to influence matter. The universe was created and is sustained by a mind over matter principle. As taught in the first hermetic principle of mentalism, all is mind. This core fact is etched into the emerald tablets of Toth that predates the last global cataclysm and probably many cataclysms. Three major experiments that were done in the 90s to prove that our thoughts and emotions can affect our DNA's behavior instantaneously. In each case, extracted live DNA was taken from a subject's cells and placed in a vacuum tube and moved 100 feet to 350 miles away from the subject. Then the subject was exposed to material that evoked emotions that ranged from horror and revulsion to ecstasy, love, and compassion. An atomic clock was used to time the response of the DNA's response to the owner's thoughts and emotions. In each case, the DNA responded immediately to the subject's reactions. Feelings of horror and revulsion twisted the DNA into a knotted-like mass. Feelings of joy, love, and compassion relaxed the DNA into its more normal ladder-like position. Prayer and meditation that focuses on love and acceptance works wonders. We live in a magical, enchanted universe because the divine conscious spirit and source field that creates it connects everything together. Quantum physics has demonstrated that our observation actually changes the behavior of subatomic particles. A photon is ordinarily a wave of light, but when we observe it, it becomes a particle. Deciding to usurp a feeling of sincere compassion can affect the nature in which we live, move, and have our being. A Tibetan monk is quoted saying that compassion is both a force in the universe as well as a human experience. Truly, all thoughts, feelings, emotions, and acts we choose are forces within the universe, as well as human experiences. These are the primal forces that surround the center. Living in non-judgmental, non-judgment of things with deep compassion is the most exciting adventure we can ever enter into. Do not judge what the answer to your prayer should be. 
Just live envisioning your prayer as if it already is answered. Live the answer as if it is a current reality. See it in your imagination. Feel it with compassion for all concerned, including yourself. Stay open to all possibilities. Do not judge what exact possibility you should receive. Accept with thanksgiving whatever comes, because the frequency of your heart will draw in its match, and the result is the fulfillment of the prayer. We receive what we need in order to grow spiritually. And if we've grown spiritually, we receive our comforts that sustain and divine that, that divine outlook. We do this at all times, just as Osiris judges the hearts of the dead by weighing them against a feather. The spiritually dead receive detriments as well as unbalanced rewards to help widen their perspective. Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Little do most of Jesus' followers know that they are always praying. The marriage of thought and emotion is what manifests in the world around us. Utilizing compassion and feeling our desires fulfilled is akin to making your eye one. When we do this, we can move mountains. We find this illustrated in two other writings. John 16:23 says, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say unto you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. What does it mean to ask in Jesus' name? And how may your joy be full? An ancient Aramaic translation of John 16, 23 through 24 gives explanation of these words and what asking in Jesus' name means and how your joy may be full. As we stated before, all things that you ask straightly and directly from inside my name you will be given. So far you have not done this, so ask without hidden motive and be surrounded by your answer. Be enveloped by what you desire, that your gladness be full. Asking in Jesus' name means asking according to his character, his way of life, and his attitudes. It is to align oneself with divine consciousness and act as the Messiah yourself. What would Jesus do? Be a bodhisattva, you know? Be what the divine would be. Feel it within. See if you deserve it. And let it be. As we have said, this means first getting your selfish, fear-based ego desires out of the way. 
ego repels the power to receive desired results. It is asking with hidden motives and not straight and direct. Selfish motives receive nothing or darkness. Acting from the ego self still attracts the intention of the heart, and that is detriments and imbalances from the universe. Now the reason the ego is always explained this way is because usually the ego acts from one side or the other in terms of polarity and duality. It acts in fear or in, in hate or in a pet the passion is too strong, whatever it is. If the love is too strong for one thing and it hates another thing, it's imbalanced. And that is what most people recognize as the ego. You have a desire for something that means you're lacking it right now. So that that means that it is imbalanced. The trick of the matter is to come from the center, from the heart, where you accept with love that you are lacking and you accept with love that you will receive. It's, it's a balanced state. The Freudian ego is very confusing and it doesn't really apply to the law of attraction. It's just a method most people use to explain things with modern terms. I see the word being phased out eventually. It doesn't really fit the paradigm. Going on, your joy becomes full by you surrounding yourself with your answer. This is done by practicing the greatest principle in psychology, the as-if principle. You must live and think always as if you have the answer already. Surround yourself with your answer. Do not demand any certain answer. Just live as if you already have all that you need. Surround yourself constantly with this assurance. Envelop yourself with the feeling of already having, obtaining, you, you've obtained your desires. Though negative possibilities do exist, you do not repel them, but thank them for their perspective and accept them as being possible. Yet you focus on the feeling of health, wealth, success, or material things that you want or need. Surround yourself with the sense and belief that you have what you desire already. This draws the answer, the solution, to you. It's all based on your self-worth. Be open as to what form the answer shall come in, and then accept what comes with gratitude. To demand the answer in a certain form causes you to miss it and reap detriments and imbalanced rewards. You must live with the uncertainty of how your answer will come to you, but with the certainty that the correct answer that is best for your soul will come. This enables you to live with peace, knowingness, and compassion for all. Being enveloped with compassion is praying without ceasing. The only prayer we were told to utilize, according to Jesus, is the Our Father, or the, the Lord's Prayer. It is appropriately dubbed 
the Lord's Prayer because it is a method of the law of attraction utilized by wise and knowledgeable lords. This is a nod to the fact that they were the ones responsible for our position in life. They knew it. This is an interpretation of the Lord's Prayer as found in Matthew 6. And I'll say other meanings, two words, as the prayer goes on. Our Father, our progenitor, that resides within the center, heaven within, hallowed be your name, your, your face, your image, your likeness. Your kingdom come, what is built upon the center, your will be done, becomes manifest on earth as it is in heaven, mirrored energy as above, so below, the tesseract-like quality of the cosmic egg, the universe within a universe. Give us today our daily bread, deliver the nourishment, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one and Matthew 6 is a wonderful interpretation of the Lord's Prayer it identifies more properly with the English language the feelings our consciousness should take to better understand and utilize the divine source and manifest our desires the word debt instead of sin is used as it is in Luke 11 it reflects a better understanding of the weight we put on our hearts it also more appropriately identifies evil to be a singular concept as there is but one cause to evil and that is darkness where there is lack of light, lack of knowledge and wisdom, there is fear and misinterpretation. Speculation in darkness and acting on fear is the cause which makes us sin against one another. Acts of fear adds the weight of karmic burden that must be relieved in order to dwell in the light once again. The sense of guilt we put on ourselves makes us feel like we don't deserve our desires and so too with ones who we blame this is why forgiveness of self and others is so important so what is the secret of prayer in a nutshell you are doing it right now you've always been praying and you will always continue to pray the secret is to always be mindful of what you're praying for and to develop a method of self-control. This is how we properly use the arts of ancient alchemy and forge ourselves the world we wish to live in. The law of attraction is the fabled wheel of fortune. It is the process of karma. The Law of Attraction is the divine blueprint that is the spiritual foundation of our physical world. It is a simple rule and guideline where within we have the freedom of choice to bring about what we need most based on our perceptions and choices. 
What we need most is often not what we want. And until we learn the lesson from these things we don't want, then they will continue to present themselves. How does this process work in reality? That's what most who hear of the law of attraction seem to ask, and when, without an answer, most dismiss it as a possibility. However, if one seeks, they shall find. The apple of perception is a work that attempts to answer this question. It defines the aether, primal-like forces of the divine within in a modern way, so that the new age can understand it. It presents the secret purposes of ancient initiation rituals so everyone has a chance to ascend to a higher level of understanding. Truly, even without reading this work, one can figure out their own path to this truth, because it is written in all of physicality and traditional spiritual practices. It is the perennial philosophy that continues to offer its spiritual truths to all those who seek it, because as long as we continue to look, we will find this truth. And that is the end of my Law of Attraction tidbit. Now, if you want to learn more about anything in this Law of Attraction concept, a lot of the answers about frequency that you atone to and how they can affect the world around you are in the book. You know, the first half of the Apple of Perception is about the weird and it explains the basically the, the Holy Spirit is what it would be defined as in Christian terms. It is the stuff that makes up the universe. And that stuff resides within you and without you. What I mean, the entirety of the stuff. The whole universe is in you, and the whole universe is outside of you. And in the second half of Apple of Perception, it's about Ragnarok, which is basically an apocalypse, a lifting of the veil, an understanding that where you mentally placed power outside of yourself into those archons, of the world that reside within the world is a misconception and an and a improper placement of power because the power resides within God alone and that is within the divine that also exists within yourself because everyone who has a soul has the universe within themselves has that connection to God and to place God outside of you is a mistake God's easily communicated with within. He's part of you. You are a part of him. Not to say that you are God, because you identify more with that Freudian ego self, which is fallible. When you are given choice to stray left or right on the paradigm and duality concept of life, and it ricochets back to you. All the energy comes back to you depending on which way you go. And you can free yourself from that ricocheting ping-pong battle, that wheel, the karmic wheel of life. You can free yourself by just taking the middle path. That's what it's all about, balance. Balance, focus on the center, making your eye one, 
all those things are just terms that mean the same thing. And in the Apple of Perception book, I go over it all. The Law of Attraction episode right now is a great introduction to the work. So if you'd like to support this program, pick up a book. It's available on Amazon starting this February of 2019. Thank you very much for listening and look forward to more episodes in the future about anything to do with the supernatural, metaphysical, anything occult, anything that pertains to the apple of perception, which is the subjective viewpoint of the individual, how it can be manipulated, how it can observe. This topic can cover anything you can think of and more than you can fathom. Until next time, remember, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. <laughs>